We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. Darius Soriano and Mike Trudell with you today. Uh, we'll get Pete back early next week. And Darius, you and I are just chatting, looking at the Brooklyn Nets, and we've been watching them lately. I don't know that folks realize how much Brooklyn has been struggling. They have lost four in a row. Uh, they have lost, if you go back to the middle of December, they were at a high point of the year. They were 13 and 10. Now they are 16 and 24. Um, so you can do the math there uh, as to how much they've been losing. They're one in nine in their last 10. Pretty rough. They've been real rough and they have been mostly healthy uh, in this stretch as well. Uh, I mean, they do have some injuries to their bench, but like Mikael Bridges um, has, has been their best player, but certainly not able to carry the throne as the number one guy. Um, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Claxton, Dinwiddie, like uh, Royce O'Neal off the bench. Like they're mostly there, uh, but they are a they're a flawed team uh, in a lot of ways and kind of a tweener team as to they've got some good players, but they don't have the one guy to really run stuff through at an efficient rate. And, and that's been exemplified by Bridges just dropping off some inefficiency when he's been trying to carry that. So as you look ahead at this one, Lakers have been going the other way. Uh, two straight games with this new lineup. Darius playing some pretty good, pretty sound basketball. This would be a game that you would figure for the first time in a while kind of clearly favors the Lakers heading into it. What are your top line thoughts as the Nets come into town? Nets are an interesting team. They've also been a team that when I'm listening to um, sort of league people and national reporters talk about them, they wonder, are they going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? And so we discuss uh, sellers. That- <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> no. Well, that's what you would think. They're just like you said, they're 16 and 24, one and nine in their last 10, but they don't own their own picks. So they're a tricky team. They have a lot of draft capital, but the draft capital that they have are from all the trades that they've made with other teams, right? And so they have the Suns draft picks and they have some of Philly's picks from these deals in which they dealt away James Harden and when they dealt away Kevin Durant. But their own picks, they don't have because they gave up picks in order to get some of these guys in the first place. This year's pick actually goes to Houston yes. from the Harden trade. 
Yeah, and it, which is currently eighth. They're kind of they're right there with uh, with where Toronto's pick would go. And then the pick that does it, is there a first that goes to them this year though? I don't think there is. I think it's I think next year is when they get their next one, right? Yeah, so they don't have a first right now. So it's an interesting dilemma for them. I agree with you in big picture, Mike, that they have to find their stride in terms of what they want to be. They're also in 11th in the East. Like that bottom portion of the Eastern Conference just hasn't been very good. Even though the Nets are so far under 500, if they string together a few wins, they're right back in the play-in with potentially being able to get into to the playoffs. Now, that's like a short-term thing that I don't think is very good for them. And so I was just looking at them more from the standpoint of like, are they actually going to get in on a potentially like, oh, well, we need guard help. Are there guards out there that they could trade trade for? They're a really imbalanced team. They have a lot of wings, but they don't necessarily have very many guards. Spencer Dinwiddie is there and He's in the final year of his contract, but I was watching some of their games and he's losing minutes to Dennis Smith Jr. And it's sort of like, all right, well, they really need guard help. And if they could swap out some of these wings. Cam Thomas is a guard, but he's more of just a all I do is score type. Is a, and did what he, he leans towards scoring. Yes. And Smith actually probably in in his own mind leans towards scoring, but is like, well, nobody else is going to pass the ball at all. Yeah, so it... it the point you made, though, that stands out, and, and I, I jumped on it uh, in almost sarcastically, but about which direction they're going. But since they don't have their pick, w- the worst thing that you can do from a like towards your fan base is is give up like the third pick in the draft yes. to, to Houston <laughs> when you're bad like that. That's one of the worst things and not even have one later in the, in the round. So you're right, Darius, like they don't want to be losing as much as they're losing this year. They at least want to be sort of in that middle range uh, and then, you know, develop some of their players and and maybe maybe the middle ground for what they're trying to do then is is package some of the forwards that are just rep, just kind of duplicative on their team yeah. in order to get a player even if it's a younger player um from a different roster that is a better fit and then in that process hopefully they also win a couple more games down the stretch 100% and so in looking at how they match up with the Lakers just like you said I like a lot of the Nets players I love Mikel Bridges I really like Cam Johnson I like Nick Claxton He's a pending free agent, too. So there's a lot of guys on their roster where you wonder, could they get value for these guys if they traded them out? And I think the answer is yes. But could they also use like an organizing figure on their team in order to try to get more out of the talent that that they have and potentially be better than what their record shows? I think the answer to that question is yes, too. And so they have been playing poorly, Mike. And I think that the Lakers should go into this game confident, not only because of how they've been playing themselves and what their new lineup is, has looked like, but just because the Nets themselves haven't been playing that well. That said, it's always interesting to me, and you've been around the NBA a long time, teams who are making their one and only trip to play the Lakers on the road, that's often a game that's just like, okay, well, we can be on the road for a long time or we can be struggling. Teams get up for this specific game. I'm super interested to see if all of this talent and the Nets do have some talented guys, they create some tricky matchups for a Lakers team that has been playing smaller. Now, the Nets aren't a very physical team, and I think that's where the Lakers have an edge there is in their power players. but 
do you think that there is any advantageous matchup stuff for Brooklyn that the Lakers need to be concerned about as they walk into this matchup that belies the record difference? So I was thinking about this more in the context of the Lakers' new starting lineup or the new old starting lineup. And the last couple of games, we were discussing this on the Spectrum Studio show last night. The Lakers played against OKC and Dallas, who right now are on the smaller side of NBA teams and not you know going to kill you on the glass. Same thing here with Brooklyn. I, they have some good rebounders. Certainly, you mentioned Nick Claxton, but other than that, you know you're they're in that two way wing type guys that aren't really going to threaten you in that way. You know, especially with Cam Johnson and and Bridges and certainly Dinwiddie from the backcourt. Finney Smith can do a little bit, uh, but not much. So I I think that. This allows the Lakers to very comfortably have that starting lineup be the skill group and, you know, get good shots, have AD anchoring things in the defensive end and cleaning up the glass. And then, you know, really hitting the Nets team with size when you bring in Vanderbilt, you bring in Wood, you bring in Hachimura, and they're coming in pretty small off the bench. You know, Trenton Watford, like he, he's got some size, but it's Dennis Smith Jr., it's Cam Thomas, it's, it's our guy Lonnie Walker, um, who I'm sure yeah. will be excited to come back and, and should get a, a nice round of applause, just if, if only for game four um, against the Lonnie Walker game, of course, against the Warriors last year in the conference semis. But yeah, I, I think it's a good matchup for the Lakers in, in that sense, is that just if you, if you figure the way that the rotations have been the last couple of games, you know, this is a team that should play well against Brooklyn. And I think that if they if they don't, then instead of the momentum building, as it seems to for these last couple, Darius, it would be going in the other way. And, you know, yeah. they I don't think they want that. No, this is a great opportunity for the Lakers to continue to build on what they've been doing against a team that offers similar strengths and some similar weaknesses to the teams that that they've recently played. Um the one thing that I do want the Lakers to be mindful of is the fact that Brooklyn does have as many two-way wings as they do. Their ability to offer defensive pressure on the perimeter against the Lakers guards and ball handlers and how the Lakers manage that part of the game. They could easily put Bridges, for example, on D'Angelo Russell or on Austin Reeves, or they could put Finney Smith on one of those guys as well. And just try to disrupt the flow of the Lakers offense. Now, the Lakers offense has been making strides. And if you listen to yesterday's pod or Thursday's pod, then you'll note that we broke down a lot of what the Lakers are doing within their five out stuff, particularly with Russell and Reeves doing a lot around cutting and screening and all that can come out of that. I think the Lakers need to come into this game, though, Mike, with the appropriate amount of focus and the appropriate amount of like, let's execute and not the, oh, well, we've won four of six and this is a struggling team, right? Because we've all been there and seen how the ebbs and flows of an NBA season. And when you look at the schedule and you see what the other team has done lately, you can let your guard down a little bit. And I'm hopeful that the leaders on the team determine this is not going to be one of those nights let's take a break and when we come back we're going to hit on the lakers game for sunday against portland uh, as they look to try to keep this momentum going ahead of next week so one of my goals right now is to eat better but in the thick of the nba season that can be hard to do so I recently joined factor and factor is america's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service to help me do that 
They can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for your healthy lifestyle. Choose from 35-plus weekly, flavor-packed, fresh and never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. And you can enjoy the extra convenience at any time of day with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Head to Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 and use code LakerFilm50, all one word, to get 50% off. That's code LakerFilm50 at Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 to get 50% off. All right, we looked into the Brooklyn Nets. Darius, now let's talk about the Portland Trailblazers against whom the Nets played in an interesting game. It was 105-103 in Portland the other night. Now, I know you saw this story, and I would think that a lot of Laker fans uh, and just other fans of the NBA that listen to this pod have heard about this, but DeAndre Ayton got snowed in. Iced or in. Iced in. Iced or in. Or some combination yes. of bad weather that was mostly talked about ice. And I <laughs> I just had trouble with this. Uh, I have to go You're back to my childhood. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, please. So just a couple of things on this. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to pile on uh, Aiton necessarily, but one of the first things that I remember, like the first lessons that my dad taught me was when you tell somebody that you're going to do something, you do it until all options are exhausted. That is you. That is one of the most important things in life. And I won't give you the specific example um, that w- when I was like four years old, that the first time that I remember it, but it was something that, that ev- he emphasized and I watched him. And that was one of the things um, that I always appreciated about him specifically. And it's just kind of like, it's about personal responsibility. And so I talked to Ben Golliver, um, who is a, a Portland native uh, from Beaverton uh, and about like the specific hill area in Portland apparently does have real issues with ice like this because it's up on a hill and it gets to be a certain temperature there. And in certain states, Darius, I you wouldn't know a ton about this probably being from California, but like there when the, the, the infrastructure of the government locally isn't really prepared to deal you know, yes. with winter type storms when they happen, uh, it this is not a, a thing just akin to uh, Oregon. Like we, we know that it happens anytime there's a bad storm in Texas, uh, which there is right now. Uh, I know like so I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't happen, but in, in Aiton is a kid from the Bahamas. Right. So we know how Michael Thompson's attitude is towards stuff like this. But I guess the point that you would make is there you would think that something over the course of the day, like when you wake up that morning, oh, my driveway's icy. How am I going to get out of here later? You know, you would think that something might happen for a guy that hasn't played in a long time. And of course it didn't. And then Chauncey Billups was just like, yeah, DeAndre couldn't get here tonight. I've spent enough time on this. I would be curious to know if you had any thoughts. And again, not trying to make fun. I just, I just found it a little bit hard to believe that there was no option that could have been found to get Aiden to the basketball game to do his job. It's rough. It's rough. I will say that I think your your point about the infrastructure there not being ready to sort of help the locals in in a way that's where my mind went initially and so I'm with you on was there appropriate planning like did anyone look at the weather app I did grow up in California I did not grow up around the snow now that I live in northern California I try to take my kids to Lake Tahoe like during the winter every year and um, they don't ski or we don't ski or snowboard, but we take them like 
even though they're getting bigger now, we would take them sledding and just go hang out in the snow and be somewhere where it's just like, this is the beauty of California. You get everything all in one state. And so one time we did go, and this was before we had a car that had all wheel drive and we got caught in a storm on the way up there. And we had to put on chains halfway through and drive really, really slow on the mountain and going down the mountain. And let me tell you, man, when you're not used to dealing with something like that, it is, there is real fear about whether or not like you're going to be able to handle your car or am I going to get in an accident? And then no doubt, no doubt. where we stayed was sort of um, up on up on a little bit of a hill because it was right by one of the ski places where like there's a resort, right? So we kind of had to go up a little mountain a little bit. And our little two-wheel drive CRV, even with the chains on, like we couldn't get up this hill. And so we had to go down this hill and park in like a parking lot. We had to call an Uber in order for the Uber to take us up to our hotel. And this was all at like 11 o'clock at night because our trip got so extended because we got caught in a storm. And so I, I was, I must say, I was a little sympathetic around the idea of not being able to get where you're supposed to go based off of um, inclement weather. Now that we've spent a bunch of time talking about our different um, yeah. abilities around snow, the Blazers. Well, here, but here's why the Aiden thing is significant, though. Yep. He he has just not played much for them. So he hasn't played since December 23rd. And, you know, just reading some stuff as I was prepping a little bit for Portland ahead of time. You know, there Aiden came with with a, a little bit of baggage in terms of, you know, his just overall interest in being out there on the floor. And quite frankly, he has not played well this season and he hasn't played with tremendous energy necessarily I think when you watched the finals, Suns against Bucks a couple of years ago, and Aiton was playing at a pretty high level, that has just not come back since. And to why is this relevant to Sunday's game? Well, Aiton should be back for this one. In fact, I expect that he'll play in tonight's game uh, for Portland. As again, he was supposed to play in the previous one. And when they've been playing without him, that's been a part of that's been a big part of the reason why they've struggled so much because we also know that they've been without Robert Williams the uh, the third who is a terrific defensive player and I think a player that had they had Aiden and Williams that that's a team that I don't know I don't even care you know who else is on the roster to some extent when you have rim protection for the whole game like they can be a pain in the ass to play and so they haven't had either one recently now you know expecting again to get Aiden back I think that this puts them. Even if he's not playing well, just the sheer nature of his size out there, um, you know, plus some guys like, you know, Scoot playing a little better lately. Brogdon has been healthy and, you know, a little bit up and down in terms of his production in games themselves. But like uh, Anthony Simons is back, like having a, a reasonable starting center uh, with Jeremy Grant healthy, like makes them better than what their record is of 11 and 29. And and that's that would be my point, Darius, that for all of the the, you know, rightful critique that Aiton may have had, he could come in on Sunday and play like DeAndre Aiton, and the Lakers have to be ready for that. Well, even if he doesn't play to the level that he showed like a couple of years ago, where it seemed like he was really on the ascension. Yeah, even this year. Yeah, exactly. Even this year, Aiton. The slotting and 
the ability to have a guy in there for anywhere from 25 to 35 minutes, will he be on a minutes restriction or whatever, just that amount of size and slotting guys back into appropriate roles like on the glass and the ability to score anywhere from, I don't know, 12 to 20 points on any given night, depending on, on what his touches look like. That's super important. And just like you said, Brogdon is this sort of organizing factor for them. And Simons has been, I think, one of the more under the radar, like really good young players in the league. Um, and really good he, offensively. Let me, uh, let me just, yes. just throw that in there. No, 100%. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I, you know, I can't, you you know, I can't settle for the, for the all offense guys. I, I just can't help myself. Can't bite my tongue. I'd be interested to see Mike, how he plays in like a more serious environment where the asks on him or the level of play defensively is, is elevated and whether or not he's able to leverage his physical tools a little bit more, particularly as, as a point guard. Um, because he's not as small as Dame. He's he's a bigger guard than that. Now, he's not a big guard, but but he's bigger than that. And I think that in theory, he should be able to defend a little bit better than what he's shown um, historically. But Simons is an explosive player. The Lakers need to only look back. I I think there was a game. It was either last season or the season before where he had like this huge quarter against the Lakers maybe four or five threes in in a period and he must have scored like 30 points that night but he's a guy that could put up shots and really get going and find his rhythm he had a great game winner the other night these games my coming off of the brooklyn game which again we hope will be a win and then going into this Portland game, which, like you said, is another team that has more talent. And this is a theme that we were talking about in yesterday's pod. The league is just so much more talented, even if the records don't always reflect it, that the Lakers need to take these matchups seriously, even though the teams don't look as though they're as competitive. Right. But if the Lakers do take care of business, Mike, that would be potentially four wins in in a row six out of their previous eight and would start to set them up to be like, okay, we're back in it now going from like two games under 500, potentially two games over. So let's go to break here. And when we come back, I sort of want to hit on the standings maneuvering that could be in play for the Lakers here and looking at the teams that are directly ahead of them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What we're doing is not something that we like in terms of the basketball gods. In, in, in other words, building in what it would look like if the Lakers are able to beat Brooklyn and Portland as they should, even though we just discussed why these teams are better than what their records are, like Portland seven and 21 um, at, at that was uh, sorry. That was back in, that was back. I was looking at the game log of back when they were playing. Um, yeah. 11 and 29. Now that was back the last time eight and play. That's what they were. Uh, and, but their lineup like in that context, not so terrible. If it's, if it's Simons, Brogdon, Aiton, Grant, they, they started Kamara and that one, but then that, you know, they bring Scoot off the bench. They bring Walker off the bench. Like they're not terrible. Um, Thibel and, and yet the Lakers Sharp, though, and with, they have Shaden Sharp too. Like they've, they've got good players. Yeah, Shaden Sharp's been hurt. Uh, but yeah. Okay. But, but yes. Uh, so they're, they are, they have good enough players, but the Lakers coming in at playing the way that they did against OKC and Dallas, who were closer to, uh, to fully healthy and playing better basketball. Um, then these are games that they should win. And so that got us to looking at the standings. And we talked about this on the previous pod, but Sacramento and Utah are two teams that I want to target for a second. So Sacramento has been on a rough stretch. Uh, they've been competitive, but lost some really, really tough games. They lost at 143, 142 in OT. Darius, they were up four with Malik Monk going to the free throw line with 18 seconds left. Uh, this and was the, they lost. The, the Bucks game, right? Yeah, was, the Bucks game. The Bucks game yes. on Sunday. It was, which was a ridiculous loss. Like you, you, you cannot. It's almost impossible to lose that game. But Monk missed both free throws. Uh, Milwaukee came down and scored. Then they got a stop. Um, and came back down and Dame hits the uh, the game-winning three from near midcourt at the buzzer. So then we already talked about this game, but they're at Phoenix and they're up by as many as 25. I think in the fourth quarter, they're up by like 20 and Phoenix goes on this ridiculous run to close that game. So they lose again. Then they're playing against Indiana at home after this tough five-game road trip. And they essentially, Indiana leads for almost the entire game without Halliburton. TJ McConnell goes for 20 and 10. Uh, they lose 126-121. So all of a sudden, they go from being 23 and 14 after beating Charlotte and Detroit to being 23 and 18. And now, Darius, they have Atlanta at home for one game. Then they go on a seven-game road trip. Golden State, Dallas, Memphis, Miami, Indiana, Chicago, Cleveland. There's one game that is in theory easier given how banged up Memphis is, but they're still kind of plucky at home. So Memphis just is keep an eye. 
Memphis has been funny to me. Have you been watching? Yeah. Hey, have you been watching them on yeah. the past? They've been. Gigi Jackson. Yes. Yes. All these guys, man. Big Body Roddy and Salty Aldama. And, and they still got Triple J. Last night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Yes. So yes. Anyways. So, so, so point being like Sacramento is in, in a tougher stretch. Like the Lakers have more favorable games uh, ahead of this one. So now let's look at Utah. Uh, Utah, just coming off of this excellent stretch of play where they win eight of nine games, including beating the Lakers. Uh, then they finally lose at home last night to Oklahoma City. And here's their their next stretch. They go on a six-game road trip. And I don't know if this is the point where I think Utah will start to drop off a little bit. But that's the point is, if you look up, you look up ahead in the standings at where the Lakers are, and these are the two teams kind of immediately in front of them. Uh, and I think that if the Lakers take care of business as as we think that they probably should this weekend their next stretch of games also some winnable contests and Darius you can start to envision them making up the ground that they just lost and getting right back into that kind of home court playing range not yet jumping up to where Dallas and New Orleans are a couple games ahead of that but and I think that that is very important is the is the summary of of looking at the Western Conference picture what do you take from that? No, I just think that in general, Mike, and we talked about this the other day, that you don't want to be in 10th or 9th. Those teams have to win twice in order to get into the playoffs. If you're going to be in the play-in and all, you want to be 7th, where you host a home game. And if you can't be 7th, then you definitely want to be 8th. You get two cracks at it. Even if a win in that second game means that you face the number one seed. This is the position that the Lakers are in. and. It's weird to start looking at standings watching after 42 games or whatever it is for the not Lakers, for but but not for me either. <laughs> We're like one of the, you, and I, so, you and I like the standings watch more than more than some. Well, it's one of those things, man, where it's just like the standings page is an open bookmark. It's like an open tab on my computer, and I just refresh like every day. I just look at it again to see because yeah. it's Basically a nice little yeah. It, it's 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 a nice little summary and it's a snapshot of what's going on in in the league. You can see who's won, like what people's records are in the last 10 games, what they like, if they're on any sort of a streak. And it's just sort of helpful to give you a picture of well, of where things are. My point in in all of this, though, is is, yes, I'll be interested to see if the teams who we think have fallback potential if they actually do hit the skids a little bit and give the Lakers an opening. I'm still more focused on what the Lakers are doing, which is why we didn't lead with standings and we led with like, how can the Nets potentially give the Lakers problems and why the Lakers should take them seriously, how Portland is better than what their record shows and has some specific talent that the Lakers are going to need to deal with. Let's hear it back there then before we get out of here for the day. And the things that are, what is occurring that is allowing the Lakers to play better in these last couple. And the quick summary for me is set nine man rotation starters. Great. A little bit more offense might be susceptible on the glass. Some, but you can come, if you are, you can come right in. Hey, Send Jared Vanderbilt to the scores table. Send Rui Hachimura to the scores table. Send Christian Wood to the scores table. And you are immediately, just by nature then, no matter who you bring out, other than Anthony Davis, who's not coming out, by the way, he's playing the whole first quarter, uh, then you are bigger. 
uh, and you can you can kind of shape shift right away. And I like that setup. I, I like that concept of of you can get to groups that are bigger, uh, that have size, and then just sort of naturally fit together. And I think there is that formula. I think works, and it seems to have it seems to have gotten D'Angelo Russell going a little bit more. It seems to have gotten Austin Reeves going a little bit more. And that's that's kind of irregardless of how LeBron plays. Uh, and like so LeBron can decide, right, how much does he put in the first quarter versus the third? So that settling to me um, has is, is part of the reason why you can have some confidence in what the Lakers are going to do for this next stretch. Mike, I also don't want to leave out Max Christie in that discussion that you just brought up about bringing size in off of the bench. Max has really good positional size as well. That first batch of subs where Max is coming in as well, Vando is coming in, Rui is coming in, and they're replacing one of the guards, basically, and then Prince and LeBron. So they're instantly bringing in more size at the two and the three and more defense, and more rebounding. And then Rui is basically LeBron's size. And that idea of we are now going to bring in our more physical group of players who are way more defense-oriented than the first team, and that look and that change up of look while then shifting more of the offensive burden to the one skill guard you leave in the game and and Anthony Davis. I I really like that first bench group. And I think they're setting their own sort of mini tone within the context of that first quarter. And it's allowing the Lakers to play well during a stretch of the game in which earlier during the season they truly were fumbling the bag. Mike, like there was a stat earlier during the season where Pete was just like, you know, in the second half of first quarters, the Lakers are like minus and it was a massive over 100. Yeah. Yes. What remind me, what group were they mostly playing during those stretches where they were getting killed at the end of quarters? Like, I think I think Austin was like the only guard. Yes. And then they were taking and this was a part of the season, Mike, where AD was going out. And then LeBron was coming in and they were like unsettled on which big he was going to play with. So some nights it was Hayes and some nights it was it was Wood. And this was before Vando was fully available. And it was like, oh, man, these groups, they don't have enough motor. And even though they're playing bigger because Rui would be in there sometimes with LeBron, it, it just didn't seem to mesh as well. And I've appreciated that Darwin has gone back to this rotation where AD basically doesn't come out. It's just like, you know, one way to fix this is to keep your night to night best player in the game for the entire period. If we're bad in first quarters, this is a way to make sure that we're less bad and maybe even going to win some of these. Yeah. The only the only thing there is that a, this is also why AD last time that I checked was like fifth in the NBA in total minutes. Uh, and and one of the only, you know, real traditional bigs uh, that was in whether that's a four or five that was in that mix. But, yeah, I mean, he's been handling the load extremely well, clearly. And he is clearly the key why the Lakers are able to have success uh, this season. Like he is the guy that has been bringing it consistently uh, on both ends of the court. So that is sort of stamped in. And I think he, he is the biggest problem for Portland to deal with. He's the biggest problem for Brooklyn uh, to deal with. And 
that let's that's probably a good place to end. Um, just thinking about heading into this Brooklyn game. Lakers are playing well. We started here, but I want one more thought from you. Anthony Davis, he what is Brooklyn trying to do um, with AD? Because, you know, Claxton is he's a pretty good player, but not somebody that can necessarily contend with AD. So do they do the trapping that AD has picked out quite well uh, the last couple of games? And does that get the Lakers offense going? I am super interested to see if LeBron said teams are going to stop doubling him soon if he keeps making the right passes and making the right reads and we keep rewarding those reads. And a lot of what the Lakers are doing in terms of cutting and screening, it's really allowing AD to pick out cutters. And those cutters are also drawing defenders in so that his passes along the perimeter, the skips, and even the passes one pass away are leading to additional ball movement that is getting the Lakers good outside shots. And so that's the point, Mike, where, yeah, the Lakers need to continue posting AD. They need to continue running pick and rolls with LeBron and AD, with Austin and AD, with D'Lo and AD, and make the Nets decide how they're going to try to protect the basket and protect the painted area against an Anthony Davis fueled attack. And um, if he's allowed to play one on one against Claxton, Claxton's a very good, good athlete and he's rangy and he's athletic and he's got good, good length, but he is built very similarly to AD in that he, um, he's not a center of gravity guy that's going to be able to get underneath Anthony Davis and really like stand up to like these power moves that AD has incorporated into his post game. So if AD is allowed to play one-on-one, he should be able to score well against Claxton. And that's why it should be AD, AD, AD against the Nets for sure. And hopefully that can fuel the offense and then get them geared up to get some stops on the other end. All right, guys. For Darius, I'm Mike. Lakers taking on Brooklyn tonight and then Portland. And we will be back on Monday to discuss how both games went. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers!
James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.